Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think we've been waiting to hear your birth story. So <laughs> I want to hear about Cora's birth. I want to, cause we all know about which, who was it? Was it Hazel or Owen who? It was home birth? Owen and uh, he, yeah, he came fast and furious and unexpected. And then with Hazel, I was like absolutely terrified that it was going to happen again. So I felt like a ticking time bomb. And yeah. then she ended up being an induction and she came very quickly once I broke my water, but she ended up being an induction. And then with Cora, I was like, Oh yeah, you do have a good story with Cora. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah. You have to tell, first of all, yeah. tell us how you came up with her name. Okay. So Cora, we talked about on our, on a previous episode, we talked about like the fortune teller episode where some lady came up to my husband and I and told us that we were going to have three children, a boy, a girl, and a boy. And the first one was a boy, which she could see. And the second one hadn't been born yet. And it was a girl. And so both my husband and I were convinced, like you could like, no, like there was no question. And so I even posted a picture on Facebook and I was like, is it a boy or a girl? And I was like, ha ha, no one's going to guess girl. Like you fools. Like, why would you guess girl? Like somebody told us it was going to be a boy. So, um, I was all in on the boy and to the point that like, I didn't bother coming up with a list of girls names. And, uh, then my husband had a list of girls' names, so we were both kind of, he was like, eh, you know, I mean, like, we we might, he's like, I'm, you know, we might, we might need it. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, you know, I'm kind of sad we're not going to get to use some of these girls' names. And so. <laughs> now, was, was she, was Cora high on the list for him or? No, but Nora was. No, Nora was. And so. I like that too, Nora. I know, I know. And we. So basically, this all kind of ties into Cora's birth story. So I'll just start with it. So I was induced and it went beautifully. I had they, I had a group B strep positive, so I needed antibiotics. And with having quick deliveries, they did an induction and I got all the antibiotics. And when the antibiotics were done, they gave me, they broke my water. And sorry if I'm a little sniffly and sneezy this episode. It's the middle of July when, or July. Yeah, we're in the month of July. I was like, where and when are we? Mm-hmm. We're in the month of July and there's like ragweed blooming outside my window and it is just making me miserable. But uh, so I was induced and they broke my water and an hour and a half later, I had a baby. It was beautiful birth. It's uh, the midwife was there and just really like it, it felt like the most controlled birth, not chaotic. It was 
it was just wonderful. And then she was born and they handed her to me and um, both my husband and I looked and kind of said, and said, it's a girl at the same time. So that was a really sweet moment. And we both kind of had this like realization of like our family like shifted where like we thought this was what our family was going to look like with a little boy and all that. And then having a little girl and now sisters and, and it was like, Whoa, like our whole world shifted and that the whole like family dynamic like changed in an instant. But then like problems started to happen. So I was trying to deliver the placenta and it was taking a while and, and, you know, sometimes it can take a little bit of time. And so it was and like no one was really kidding. We were just sitting there and then it was like, hmm, this isn't coming. And then the midwife starts like pulling and pulling to see if she can get it to detach and it's not detaching. And all of a sudden I start to feel like faint and I'm, like they took my blood pressure and it had dropped like, because with delivery and the stress and like that, it was like up in the 140s and then it dropped out into like the low 90s. And I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely. So I knew that I was starting to bleed. I knew that like things weren't going very well. And then... uh they called in the OBGYN and he had like forceps up there. And I don't exactly know all that. He, he had a lot of tools up there trying to get the placenta to detach and it, it wasn't coming. And so finally he was, he was kind of like, well, I mean, there's just a little bit there. Like we can take it into the OR, but like it's, you know, like maybe we can just get it maybe, you know, and I was like, nope. So I finally just had my husband give me my phone. I called the um, anesthesia team and I was like, I'm coming to the OR. Please call in the backup crew because I know you're working. And so I called in my own case <laughs> because that's that what we is do awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. So then like I called them before the surgeon because they all knew like somebody upstairs wasn't having like some somebody might need to go to the OR but they didn't know the specifics or whatever. So I called it in and then he called them and added the case on. So it took an hour and a half from my water breaking to having a baby. It took two hours from when the baby was born to the time I went to the operating room to have my basically a DNC. And uh, I really struggled with low hemoglobin afterwards. I lost about two liters of blood and uh, my hemoglobin dropped down to 6.5. it was definitely like a much different experience because I was like planning on another like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, okay, we'll see you later delivery where it was like, okay, I could go home. Like I could have with the first two, I feel like I could have been Kate Middleton and six hours later out on the mm-hmm. stairs waving at people like, oh, like, yeah, I was like, I felt great. Like, yeah, yeah. this is great. This time I was like death warmed over. Um, I, uh, I have never felt so helpless. I've never felt like I've been a- not been able to advocate for myself or my children. Um, and I've never felt so like vulnerable. Uh, having anesthesia, I don't find, I didn't find it scary um, just because I was so incredibly comfortable with the anesthesia team that I had and knew that, that they would protect me. Um, and but it was just like my hemoglobin being so low and I was so dizzy and, you know, it just trended down for days and I got iron transfusions and I tried to go home with hemoglobin a 6.5. That was a terrible idea and uh, ended did up Did they going, let you? Yeah, they did. Wow, that's awesome. Well, but, really, but. <laughs> I declined blood and then they sent me home with hemoglobin a 6.5. I... They, and, 
you know, I just was still like had a high heart rate and a little bit dizzy. And then they were like, you know, strict instructions. If you get to this point, if your heart rate gets to this, if you're fainting, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, like you need to come in and get blood. And, uh, I, I don't know why I was so afraid to get blood. I think it's, you know, a, it's such a precious resource that you hate to use it if you don't really, really need it. And B, it's so um, like you're putting that in your body and you could have a reaction that could alter like your body's response to blood in the future. So if you really, really needed it in the future, you might not be able to get it or have access to it. And so um, I was really nervous for it. Everything so far has been fine and I can donate blood a year after receiving a transfusion. And so I actually plan to do that because I'm O negative and know how precious that is. So I really yeah. want to be able to do that. Yeah, we can drink. But back you. to the, oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> You've yeah. already been drained once. Yeah, exactly. Back to the naming. So being so foggy and everything, like I woke up from anesthesia and then I felt like just garbage. And we had no name for this child. And so at like two in the morning, the day after she was born, you know, like that first night I was up feeding her and I just started like looking at my phone and I hadn't given it any thoughts up until that point. And I was like, Oh, we need a name for this child. So I started like Googling and my husband and I like to do the social security website where you can look at like the top names. Like that's where we've gotten all our names from and that's where we've done a lot of our name research. So social security, ssa.gov, and then there's like a list and you can actually search by decade. So we went back a hundred years and we looked at the top 100 names a hundred years ago. And on that list towards the like middle-ish, I believe, was the name Cora. And I just like stopped on it and I was like, that's it. Like it hadn't ever crossed my mind before. It wasn't a name that it's not a name you hear like like a lot of celebrities or famous people have. You know what I mean? It's not like a famous name that right. you know you would associate with someone. Yeah. And then uh, I told my husband about it the next morning. I was like, I think we have a name. And he Googled it and one of the only real like famous Cora's is Cora Crowley from the fictitious show Downton Abbey. And I love that show. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I like that character. Okay, we're set. I but then that. it's also, yeah, it's great. And uh, then it was hard. Like I found that name and I fell in love with it. And then it was really hard to commit to it for me because I felt so foggy. And I was like, well, what if like there's a serial killer named Cora that we just haven't found yet. Like, you know, you, I feel like I like to research these names and think about like all of the things that can go wrong. Like what are the nicknames they can teaser with? What are the like weird things? Like are the initials some like weird thing? Like I, I remember a girl from high school had initials bra, B-R-A. Like that was her, oh, you know. No. <laughs> Yeah. So that was kind of a hard like middle school, like early high school experience for her because that was a really obviously like easy to pick on thing. So like you try to think about those things and be like, oh my God, what like how can this be construed differently than I intended? And so it was really hard for me to commit because I just felt so foggy. But my husband did the research and uh, he couldn't find anything. And eventually like the nurses were like, Well, do you have a name? Do you have a name? And they like always pester you so quickly. And I finally was like, okay, 
And I told them like what I was thinking, what we were thinking. And they were like, oh, I love that. That's great. And I was like, okay, okay. Like this is passing some tests. So yeah, it's just such a different experience than what I would call, you know, my normal birth experience. And, but it also makes me think, like, I feel so bad for people who have this experience with their first child because I had two great experiences and then, you know, a harder like postpartum initial experience. And to start out motherhood like that would have been so, so hard. So my heart really goes out to people who have a really bad first birth experience. And sometimes that can actually determine people's family size because it was so bad that they just, they don't want as many kids as they were planning on originally or just have one or, Yeah. I love that. I love that you guys used the social security website. I'm totally going to have to look that up. That's really cool. Oh my God. It I've is never like, heard of that before. Oh, seriously. It is amazing. They list and there's so, it's like just a wealth of data. And so it's, they usually have the night, like the year before's numbers posted by like April ish, but because of COVID, like they hadn't done it yet. So we were going based on 18 data. But yeah, it's such a wealth of knowledge and you can search so many things. You can search by your state. So you can look at the most popular names in a year in your state. You can look by a decade and look at the whole country and it gives you, like, I think if you go back like by the decades, I think you can go back to the 1880s. And if you go back by decades, it only gives you the top 100, but you can go, I think it's to the top 1000 names by like popularity. And yeah, like I said, you can search by state and it's just, it's, it's fun to look at. It's fun to see where your name stands. Yeah. And oh, you can also search names. So like, if you look up, like I looked up my name, Lacey, which is spelled L-A-C-I, and there was a spike like a few years after I was born, but you can see these names like plateau and then go down again or like crest and popular. Like you can see what's trending and you can also see the names. It's pretty cool. You can see there's like a bimodal spike. So it's like, it was really popular a hundred years ago. It goes down and then it was, it's really popular again or gaining a popularity. And so it's got these like roller coaster curves. I think that's called bimodal, but maybe I'm not correct. So yeah, cool stuff you so can find cool. from our government of all the boring things that could they could put out there. <laughs> yeah, this is so much more fun. I could browse this website forever. Oh my God, you really can. And uh, yeah, then you start like looking up like that. Yeah, when you start looking up your name and your husband's name and your parents' names, you definitely have gone down the rabbit hole, which I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, I could spend hours on this website. It's crazy. So um, yeah. Well, how did you come up with your kids' names then? So when I was pregnant with Michael, our first, I kept asking Mike, do you want a Michael? Do you want a Michael? And he kept telling me, no, 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 he doesn't. And my dad's name's Michael too. Um, So we went the whole pregnancy and like literally right up until the last minute and he didn't want a Michael and we were going to name him Ben. And literally like as I'm induced for labor, he's like, I want a Michael. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we went with Michael. We made, put his middle name as Jacob. That's my dad's full name. And we just went with it. But then Ben, Benjamin was just like, still always our default for the second one. If we had a boy, because we love that name so much that 
it's like I couldn't even look at other names, nothing else. I like any name I look at, I was like, nope, 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 Ben, Ben, Ben. That's all I thought about. So it was uh-huh. almost like a default Ben, no thought to it. And for his middle name, we needed a G name because we wanted to name him, you know, our second child with a middle name of G for Mike's grandmother who passed away and her name is Grace. So we had a really tough time coming up with a G name that we really liked that went well with Ben because like Gregory's too long and Benjamin Gregory is like really long. I kept thinking of Scantron sheets, (laughs) like how it would never fit, even though they don't even do that nowadays, probably, right? I don't know. I bet they do. But yes, totally true with the Scantron sheets. Yeah. So I was like, we can't do that. And we kept thinking it was between Graham and I like that Grant. Mm. And we went with Grant because I like both of those. Benjamin Grant is like very strong, I think. And Grant is very short and succinct compared to Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it leveled out well and we really, really liked it. So his name is Benjamin Grant and Michael's Michael Jacob. So that's how we came up with our names. My first son. So I shouldn't call him my first son. He's my only son. Uh, My first child is Owen Tanner and his middle name is for my brother. I love that. And then Hazel was, uh, is Hazel Marie. And I do feel like this is one of those situations where like Marie is a very common middle name, but both of Hazel's grandmothers have the middle name of Marie. And so we chose Hazel Marie for her grandmothers and they were both kind of like, like they didn't weren't like, Oh, that's my middle name too. We're all like, you're honoring, you know, like it was more like, yeah, that's a really popular middle name. That's so (laughs) funny. So, so it really uh, is. It is. It is. I saw TikTok about that the other day. It was like, the most common middle name for a white woman like between (laughs) 1950 and now and it was like I'll wait and then the first name that came to my mind was Marie and like five seconds later came across the screen I'm like it totally is it really really is yeah oh that's funny but yeah so that's how we came up with Hazel's name and um, Hazel, we actually had a list of both boys and girls. And then I kind of sat there like with our top couple names, testing them out on her and being like, I'd like, just like look over at her and be like, and like say the word and say the name and be like, does this fit you? And yeah, it what like, I just kind of kept like referring, using the one name more than the other name. And so that's how we picked Hazel. But yeah, uh, yeah, I was like totally that person who was like, like I'd look away and then look at her and just like, you know, like you look at someone and say their name and then be like, oh, does this fit you? (laughs) Yeah. And someone told me you should go outside and like scream the name to see how it sounds when you yell it. Um, (laughs) Like come home for dinner. That's definitely what you should do with dog. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's what we do with our dogs. Our kids even like yell at our, like not like we don't like, well, we do yell at our dogs. Like yell their name. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They call them. And, but it's so cute to see like these tiny little voices being like, yuck, get over here. Yuck. (laughs) When the dog's name is Jack and just like these little, little mouse voices like calling for the dogs. (laughs) It's so cute. So how old is Cora now? Cora is going to be two months old 
on um, at the end of this week. So we're in the middle of July and she's eight weeks old. It's crazy how fast it's gone by. It also like, yeah, I feel like you just had this baby. I know, but it also doesn't feel like it's, I don't know. It's just this weird dynamic where it's like I had all this time off because I was in my third trimester when COVID started. And so I ended up being off of work. We talked about this on an an earlier episode. I don't remember which one, but uh, we talked about it earlier where I've been off for a while. So now it just feels like weird. I definitely have reservations about going back to work now because I, and, and I, I think it's because, so with my first two, I was like ready to go back, but this time, I think either because the world has shut down and is now starting to open up again, but but everything's like shut down. Everything's different. Like no one can get together anyway. It's not like I'm missing anything other than just work. And so there's not a lot of social component to work anymore, I feel like, from what I'm hearing from my colleagues. And so it just feels like I I could just like sit here in my own little cocoon forever. <laughs> I totally, totally understand how you feel. I feel like going back for me was just so, I just felt like, why? What is the point? Yeah. And you, well, you recently started up with work. So you had been home for what, three months with both your kids. And mm-hmm. then a couple of weeks ago, you've gone back and yeah, now kids are in daycare. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. See, that Crazy. feels like it's gone by really fast. It has. It really has. So I was sitting there thinking about it the other day. I'm like, wow, I've been back at work for like four weeks already this week. It's crazy. So, how are things different for you now going back, like emotionally, like personally as a mom, and then also just going back to like just a different world in the time of COVID? Like, how are things different for you? Um, emotionally, it didn't. I mean, it's tough. I didn't want to go back because I loved being with my kids, but I wanted them to go back to daycare because I know that I wasn't giving them, I wasn't, I truly wasn't giving them what they needed. Like they were missing out on learning, on crafts, on socialization. Like I knew they had to go back, but I selfishly wanted them to stay with me. Um, but it was okay. They did fine. They adjusted really well. I thought that they would freak out from the fact that the teachers all have to wear masks. They didn't freak out at all. Um, our daycare does follow all the CDC guidelines. And like when you drop off, you can't go past the foyer. You have to, there's just a, like a lot of new steps. You can't take them to their room. The lunches yep. have to be a certain way. Everything's different, but the kids really are so resilient. They adjust so well. It's the adults that have trouble with change. So we are just trying to go with it and not spend so much time wondering like when this will end or why or how, or, you know, just doing it and moving on. In terms of work though, Honestly, not much has changed. The volume is down. Um, I think the biggest thing that came of this is it made me realize how unstable healthcare really is, even though everybody always thinks it's super stable. Um, Even now, when we've all gone back, I have people messaging me every day telling me that their group is slashing salaries. I mean, people's groups are slashing salaries like 30 to 60% for now for six months but they're still expected to do the same work, Um, you know, cutting hours, but still requiring call and cutting um, pay and cutting all kinds of stuff, benefits, like furloughing people, firing people, Um, you know, healthcare is supposed to be the most stable, but it's truly not. um, Especially during a pandemic. Yeah. It's crazy how you think it it would be like the most stable when everybody needs us, but Yeah. yeah, no, 
it's a, it's a fight. Um, so that's been a little weird. It's weird going back to work and having to wear all this new equipment and it makes the job really challenging. Um, it changes the work environment because like you can't even socialize with your work peers anymore because no one can hear each other through the mask and the second mask and the third mask and the shield and the gown and the gloves. And that's a little tough. Um, so it, it's definitely a different world. Um, volumes down, like I said, patient care remains the same, obviously, but, um, a lot of providers, both in anesthesia and, you know, in a lot of other disciplines who I've spoken to who are close to retirement, either just straight up retired and didn't return. And the rest who did return hate it so much that they said, if this comes again, where they have to shut down again, they're They're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I talked to our daycare recently and, um, this was, so our, so the city that I live in just like this week has mandated masks to be worn in all public spaces. It's a new city ordinance. And so our daycare, when I talked to them earlier this week, they, the teachers weren't wearing masks, but they hadn't had a positive COVID case. And our numbers are, you know, I would, I don't know where they stand in comparison to like a comparable county in another state, but our numbers were relatively low for a long time. And then we've been in the news recently because a couple college bars just like, like spread COVID like wildfire over one weekend. And now the whole community, like our numbers have tripled in less than a month because of like one weekend at two different bars. So our teachers haven't been wearing masks. I'd be, I am curious to see how the kids are going to respond because they're going to go back to daycare in a few, in a couple weeks here. I'll be curious to see how they respond to kids wearing to like, they're not going to have to wear masks, but the teachers are going to wear masks, but they like see people like they see my husband and I put masks on before we go somewhere. Usually it's my husband because he is the one who's been going into the stores, but you know, they've seen us wear the mask. They have masks. They've asked about their masks a few times. And so I don't think you're right. I think that kids are resilient and they won't have as much as a problem as the teachers will. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, How has your, tell us about going from two kids to three. Is it as bad as people say? Because I've heard two to three is worse than one to two, but some people say one to two is way worse than two to three. See, I agree with the latter. Um, Obviously I haven't gone back to work yet. And I mean, it's, it's definitely different, but there's some things that you just like have learned to adapt to. I feel like going from one to two, your standards really have to change because all the attention that you gave your one, two parents, one baby, then you go to two and you can't give them as much of attention and stuff like that. And then going to three, it's just kind of like adding another one in. So like there were things that I really struggled with at first with two kids, like, getting them ready for bed by myself because we, you know, we do baths almost every night because especially in the summer, they put sunscreen, they put bug spray on, they're hot, they're sweaty, their feet are gross, like just wash off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we do baths almost every night and bathing an infant and a two-year-old is not easy. They can't be bathed together. The baby gets so cold quickly. So you're trying to like dry them off. Well, the other ones in the bathtub, and I used to have my son sing to me and he would just so that, cause I would have to go into a different room. Yeah. 
do something with the baby and he'd be in the bathtub. So I'd have him sing songs to me so that I could hear that he was still fine. And this time it's just, he's bigger, the two-year-old, like it doesn't seem as overwhelming. And so then I don't know now, like I just put them both in the shower and like, let them shower and play together. And we started letting them shower rather than take baths because they, we got a new shower head and my husband let my son use it once. And then that was the end of that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to convert my kids to showers, but they really like bath time. But yeah, I can see how three is easier because going from one to two, I feel like you have to, you have to get used to the notion of not giving all your attention to one kid and how that feels. And then they have to get used to it. Whereas going from two to three seems easier because the other two have each other to play with. So there's not one by themselves, you know, like entertaining themselves while the baby's there. And then you're also used to dividing your attention at that point. So I feel like it's Mm -hmm. just not as much of a drastic change, but I can see how it definitely, you know, once Cora gets older, I can see how that gets tougher because now you're like not man on man defense anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it gets a little tough. I'm sure during that like two to five year age gap when they're all at that age and very challenging <laughs> to deal True. with. True. My husband and I are used to solo bedtimes because he's farming, he's traveling for work or I'm on call. You know, like those are the three situations in which like one of us would be on our own. And they happen often enough where like you get used to doing it by yourself. And so, but you have to learn how to do it by yourself. And so basically if one, if you're used to doing solo bedtime, then going from one to two is really hard because you're going from man, man to man to zone defense versus if you're both there all the time and you're always doing bedtimes together or mornings together, then you go and you add that third kid in, then you're going from man to man to zone defense. So I think it really depends on how many parents are, you know, doing some of the that heavy lifting at a time. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So how has your like morning routine changed now? Well, we don't have one. <laughs> oh, um, well, that makes it easier. Well, no, because it's uh so I'm still in that like newborn phase where you know, you just kind of like, they can be up for an hour to, you know, like they'll be up like two or three times a night and they're up for, you know, this is my best sleeper, but she'll still be sometimes up for like up and down for an hour. Cause she'll eat like, she'll get really hungry. She'll eat a really big feeding and then she'll just like burp and fart for the next hour and be really uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, we're still in that, like the world is like, hasn't settled down yet for us. So I want a morning routine. I'm the kind of person who thrives on routines, but it's been very hard to implement one. And a lot of it also comes from if I like wanted to get up early and do something, I would wake up one, two, or three children and then I, uh, you know, like I wouldn't have any alone time to myself. We're just like racing dawn at that point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we'll see what it's like when I go back to work and I'm, you know, I think it'll take a little while to adjust and get back and just kind of find our new rhythm. We haven't found our new rhythm yet, but I think once we do, it'll come maybe a little bit quicker. Um, My husband would definitely say that like going from two to three 
is hard. I think it's been hard for him because he is now basically, he does a lot with the big kids. So he has, he's gone from one to two. And then I am just basically feeding the newborn at this point. So he, I think it's been harder on him, but I also think that it's just, you know, this is just a chaotic time in general. And then once you go back to work and once you, it gets harder, but it also, you just have to like learn your new rhythm and we're just getting to that point. Yeah. I think it definitely takes a solid like two to three months to really feel a little bit more comfortable. Oh, for sure. With any new baby. And then as soon as you start to get comfortable, everything changes. Oh yeah. Yeah. As soon as like you start to get into that rhythm and like, okay, like we now have a rhythm to our days and the baby's like sleeping more, you know, like at consistent times versus just like going around the clock. Yeah. Then you go back to work and then you got to learn how to do it all over again. So yeah, it's just maternity leave and parental leave in this country is definitely a a topic we should, we should take, could dedicate an entire episode to. Yeah, totally. Um, how do you find time for yourself right now? What are you doing? Um, well, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel, I mean, it's it's hard to find time for yourself, especially when you've got three children who never leave. <laughs> Definitely. Because we're still at home quarantining. The kids have The kids have been out of daycare for four months and now they'll go back here soon and we'll see, you know, kind of how it goes. Yeah, I I definitely find myself doing the standard like meme, mom meme that you read about where you're like incredibly exhausted yet like I'm going to sit up for an extra hour and watch TV when I should just go to bed because yeah. this is my only chance, you this know. Is my struggle every night. Every night I can technically go to bed between like, you know, 9 and 10 and every night I find something stupid to do because it's my only time alone to do that stupid thing. Yes, yes. So, we've been watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> And uh, the movies on HBO, if anybody's interested. <laughs> I literally like have not watched any TV and I don't even know how long. I don't even know. I mean, the only reason we even have a TV is because my kids watch Blippi after daycare. And that's literally the only reason that we even turn the TV on. It's sad to say, but I, I mean, I. Have it's not sad. Replaced. That's like great. Yeah. I guess so, but I've completely replaced watching TV. I mean, I used to love it and I still DVR my shows. And then like, I get so far behind on them. I'm like, escrow it. Clearly, I don't care about what's going on in them because if I did, I'd be watching them. So I'll delete the whole thing. But I'm kind of surprised with myself and I'm kind of happy with myself that I finally like cut the cord on reality TV because I used to be obsessed with the housewives and all that. Mm -hmm. And when people would say to me, like, I don't have time for watching that. I'd be like, what do you mean you don't have time? (laughs) You know, like, how do you not have time for the housewives? And now I truly understand, like, you just, you just realize like priorities change. For sure. And uh, we kind of go in spurts where like, if we get into a show, like we'll watch, you know, an episode a night or something. But yeah, we we used to like I used to watch a lot more shows than I do now. It's just kind of like you get into a show, you stream it until the end and then you go for a while till you find something else to watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you stream it. Um, but so it's definitely changed like the way you watch TV, I think, with just the streaming and we cut the cord a long time ago. And so it's not like you're watching like a new episode every week. It's like these, this show has been done since 
what, 2016 or something? Yeah. But I definitely think it's very easy to replace TV if you're not thinking about it. Like, it's just easy to get doing something else. And if you, I don't know, if you don't have it like right there and it's not like, oh, it's seven o'clock on Thursday night. Like that used to be like Friends. Like that's when Mm -hmm. Friends was on and I still know that. But now it's like TV's just different. And so I'm, I'm happy that we've been able to not watch as much as we used to. But yeah, I can totally see where you just, just, it's easy to just stop, you know? Yep, definitely. Definitely is. I think the other thing is that became of more importance to me is replacing that time with like, how can I better myself Mm -hmm. instead of sitting down and mindlessly watching TV, which is okay too. Sometimes, sometimes you just need that. But every day I feel like it's just kind of pointless. And I have found that there's other things that I benefit more from like mental health wise, physically, um, either working out or like doing like gratitude journal or, Mm -hmm. you know, like reading something for personal development that really actually like helps me at this stage in my life. Cause I feel like there's so many stressors going on right now that if I fall too deep into the reality TV bubble, I almost start to get worse and more anxious and more stressed. Cause I feel like I don't know. I like, I don't have a good grasp on my life and what I'm thankful for. And I think that's so important to start every day with that. I know I've said that before, like writing down three things you're thankful for, because otherwise by the end of the day, if I'm already like in this whirlwind of negativity and I sit down and watch reality TV, which is the most dramatic thing on earth, yeah. I go into a bad headspace. Yes, I could, I can see that I could see where that would happen. And it's so easy to get like caught up in someone else's drama and life and like feel it where it's like, it's like pretend drama. You know what I mean? Like reality TV is like, like there's, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge reality TV fan, but one thing that I have noticed is like sometimes my husband and I will sit down to watch a TV show and we don't ever turn the TV on because we start talking about something and then we end up having this long conversation. And then it's like, well, now it's too late. We should just go to bed. But it just being being able to turn the TV off or not turn it on and just talk is like that's really helpful too. Because yeah, we're watching a show together, but we're not communicating at all. And so um, sometimes we'll watch like a documentary or a sh- like a TED Talk or something that makes you think, and then we'll discuss it. But you know, it's just nice to be able to like use that time to communicate with your spouse too, instead of just watching TV together. Definitely. I agree. So I'm sure you guys have noticed that Crystal's not here today. Um, She had other obligations for work. So Lacey and I are hopping on tonight to kind of chat about this. And we hope this helps a lot of you, you know, figure out kind of that, you know, nobody has a routine nailed down and it changes day to day. And it's okay to feel like you are a little bit out of control as long as you focus on the things you can control, like what you're thankful for. And, you know, none of us have it together. I think that's the biggest thing as I wanted to talk about while talking about routines is I think it's easy to look at somebody and be like, wow, she is just so put together. She is so organized. She has this Mm -hmm. and she has that based on, Mm -hmm. you know, what we see on social media. But I can't tell you one person who truly has it all together at all moments of the day. 
So true. So true. And, you know, one of the things to, you know, highlight is that the routines can change and you, you know, you just kind of have to go with the season that you're in, the stage that you're in and just adapt to it. And so um, like right now, I, like I said, I thrive on routine and we do not have one, which is a challenge, but we're getting there, you know, and it's okay to have things be a little chaotic at times and just give yourself some grace. Biggest thing. Yeah. Give yourself some grace and just know that nobody has it figured out. Um, We're all learning day to day. And that's why we do this podcast is just to share, you know, small things we've learned, but mostly just share that nobody's perfect. And And if somebody claims to be, just call BS on that. (laughs) Just ignore, ignore and unfollow because that is for your mental space. Yes, exactly. You want to wrap us up, Lace? Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us chit chat here. We, you know, really enjoy putting this podcast together for you. And please don't hesitate to reach out to our Facebook page or um, if you're Facebook friends with us or in our CRNA Moms group, you know, send us a message and let us know what you want us to talk about. And if there's any burning thing that you want uh, discussed or if you want to come on and discuss it with us, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. We are on Facebook at Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. And then we're on Twitter at Hey Smart Mamas as well. Again, don't hesitate to uh, follow any of us on Instagram. Mine is at Miss MS Lacey Lynch. And Ellen, what's your Instagram? Mine is just my name, Ellen Lawletta. And Crystal is at CM Alber. Yes. And so uh, don't hesitate. We all follow the our podcast page so you can find us on there also so don't forget to rate review and we would love to hear your review we would love a five-star review from you and uh don't forget to share with your friends as well we know that there's lots of mamas out there who could use a little podcast and so don't hesitate to share we really really appreciate it all right guys talk to you next time okay bye thanks